0: Chapter five, you can read and follow on the screen. Matthew chapter five, verse thirteen to sixteen. That's where I'll be spending today's um, sermon on. So I'll read this passage. We'll pray and get started. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything, except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Verse 14. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good de- your, your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Um, the message today is titled, Influencers, Influencer. So let's pray and get started. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that we can come um, in this hour, in this time, and freely worship you, Lord. We thank you for the new covenant that we're in, that we're able to come in your presence and our sins, Lord, Our sins are cleansed by you, Lord Jesus, because of your work, because of what you have done for us as Easter is coming back and we're going to be celebrating your finished work for us, Lord Jesus. I thank you that you have given us access to your presence. Spirit of God, I pray that you would empower me to speak your word with boldness and with accuracy. Spirit of God, I pray that you would teach us today. We come under your feet. We come under your authority, and we want to learn your word today. Teach us, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Um, the message today, as I said, is called Influencer, and I believe that by the end of this sermon, that you would walk out with an understanding of our mission and our place upon the earth. Um, in Matthew chapter 5 all the way up to chapter 7, What we see here is something called the Sermon on the Mount. It is the most famous uh, teaching compilation of Jesus. um, And we see that he went on the mountainside by the Sea of Galilee and he began to teach his disciples the truths of what it means to live In the kingdom of God. The whole Sermon on the Mount is all about how does someone that knows Jesus, that follows Jesus, that is part of the kingdom of God, how did they live upon this earth? When you read Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 to 2, we read this Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. This is Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 to 2. When you read Matthew chapter 4 and the end of Matthew chapter 4, what we see there is that the crowds were always looking for Jesus. Matter of fact, I'll quickly refer to it. This is what it says. News about him, about Jesus, spread all over Syria, and the people brought with him all who were ill of various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon possessed, those having seizures, those, having par- uh, uh, those who were paralyzed, and he healed them. Listen to this. Large crowds from Galilee, from uh, Decapolis, from Jerusalem, from Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. So we know that the crowds were always looking for Jesus because of what Jesus can do for them. They wanted to follow Jesus because of these miracles that they were wanting from Jesus. But we know that the very people that Jesus was going around and healing did not want Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They wanted what Jesus can do for them. The Sermon on the Mount is all about how does a person in Christ's kingdom live. Jesus teaches us in the Sermon on the Mount the normal life of the characteristic of someone who is in the kingdom of God. I want you to write this first point down. The crowds always want a miracle, but what a disciple needs is teaching. You see, the crowd is always going to be after a miracle, but what we see is that Jesus takes his disciples from the midst of the crowd, and he begins to teach them. We don't need to see miracles. We need to be taught. If we want to be effective for Jesus in this world, we need to know how, firstly, who we are, what is our identity. And secondly, how do we live out of that identity? And that is what we see, the distinction between the crowd and the disciples. The crowd wanted to be entertained. The crowd wanted just a miracle, and then they go back to their sinful ways. But what the disciples needed and what Jesus always emphasized is that they need to be taught. They need to know. They need to have understanding of what it means to be someone who followed Him. After Jesus teaches the characteristics of what it means to be a disciple from verse 1 all the way to verse 13, uh, verse 12, what we begin to see is we come to the passage that we're in now. He begins to teach them the purpose of His disciples to be influencers in this world. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 to 16, of us being the light and the salt of the earth, is all about how we become influencers in this world. What is the mission of the believer and the disciple of Jesus? You know, to be an influencer in the world, you're normally required to have one particular thing. You have to have a following, and the greater your following is in the world, the more influence that you're Uh, you have. The blue tick means that you're an influencer because you have a following. You have people that want to hear what you have to say. They want to see what you want to do. But to be an influencer in the kingdom of God, you don't need a following. You need to be a follower. You have to understand to be an influencer in the kingdom of God, it's not about who is following you. It's about who are you following. So we begin by that. Uh, understanding that there's a distinction between an influencer in the world and an influencer in the kingdom of God. So what we're going to do is break up verse by verse, Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 to 16, so we can dissect it and understand it. Let's go to verse 13. This is what Jesus began to say. You are the salt of the earth. Let me stop there. The first metaphoric example that Jesus gives is that we are the salt of the earth. The word you there in the Greek is in the emphatic. So it's expressing something that is forcibly, Jesus is saying it with clarity and he's strongly emphasizing this point. So it's as if the crowds are are, are in the distance, the disciples have come to him, Jesus sits down, he begins to to teach them, he looks at them and he says this with, with force. He says this strongly, he's saying to them with urgency, you, my followers, my disciples are the salt of the earth. The second word that we see is the word are, and and that simply is in the present tense and it speaks of our identity. Jesus didn't say that we're becoming salt, Jesus didn't say that you will be salt, what Jesus declares here is that we are the salt of the earth of the earth. He speaks of the identity that we have as followers of Jesus. It's important that we get this because our identity comes before our doing. That is the very premise of Christianity. Christianity is not what do I need to do to become salt, but rather I am salt, therefore I live out of the identity that I am. And who I am in my identity, who I am in uh, in as a Christian is not because of what I have done, it's because of what has been done for me and my faith and trust in the God that has done it for me gives me the nature of who I am today. Come on, I need you to speak with me today because that's good news right there. We don't work to be salt and light, but rather we are the salt. Jesus, he's emphasizing in a strong way, this is your identity. You are the salt, you are The light of the earth. In other words, Jesus is saying, You, my followers, are the only salt of the earth. I want you to get that. You, my followers, you, my true disciples, are the only light in this dark world. The world and everyone else that that doesn't have me is not a salt, is not a light. You are the only ones that have hope in this world. Let's look at that. What does the salt of the earth mean? We we'll probably learned this in, in, um, in Sunday school as kids if we grew up in the church. What does salt mean? And when you, when you try to understand it in the, modern, in the modern culture that we have, salt is really something that you can pick up for 99 cents from Coles. There's no really value placed on salt, but when you read the Bible, you have to read it in the context that it was written. That's why it's important that we study the historical background, we study the the surrounding, uh, what was happening in that time, what was the culture like, because Jesus was speaking to the people of that culture. So what was salt? Salt in the ancient world, when Jesus was speaking this, was one of the most precious commodities in some places salt was more valuable than gold salt had three main functions and reasons in the, uh, back then and it still has today as well the first the first purpose of salt is that salt is a flavor enhancer what salt does it brings out the flavor of the food that we're eating i don't know if you've ever cooked Something with many spices. Once my wife, my wife is is normally a good cook, and normally when she cooks, she doesn't even know what she's doing. I'm asking her; she's chopping up the the chicken and putting all these things in. And I'm like, "Are you? What are you making?" She's like, "Yo, yo, I have no idea. I'm just coming up with it as I go." But it always tastes amazing. But I remember one moment she was making this particular thing, putting all these spices in there. It looked amazing. There was creamy sauce in there. It was just so nice. And when I took the spoon and took a bite, it was tasteless. It was bland. Why? Because she forgot to put the salt in the food. So no matter how many spices you put in food, what brings out the flavor of those spices is the salt that is added into that food. That is the, the emphasis here. So salt influences the rest of the pot. Come on. What salt does, it overpowers everything else and it brings up and it highlights the flavors that are in the food. The second function of salt in the ancient world that it was used as a salary. <laughs> You're like, yo yo. what do you mean? Roman soldiers would, would sometimes be paid with salt for their services. So their wage, their salary, their money that they were given was salt. So salt, unlike today, was a valuable commodity. And in this way, Jesus is also saying, you as my followers are valuable in this world. I want you to get that. You as my followers, you not only bring flavor in this world, but you're also valuable. I want you to know the value that you have. The third function of salt is that this is the main function of what salt was used for there and and what we don't quite understand now. This is the main function. So the people that Jesus is speaking to, they fully understood this. Salt was used as a, as a preservative. Now, we take for granted simple things like a fridge. But what a fridge does, it prolongs the, the, life, the, the lifespan of the foods that we eat. So because there's a fridge in our houses and we take these things for granted because we have easy access to them, We do not know what it was like to live in the ancient world. But in the ancient world, they didn't have fridges like we did today. So what they would do is that they would rub a little bit of salt on the meats that they have to stop it from rotting and decaying. So for the food, for the fish that they fish, for that to not go off. So if they have a huge haul of fish, for that to stay for for a few days or or a week or so, they had to put salt on it. Without salt, because they didn't have fridges, and you have to understand the climate is very hot, it's in the desert, it will go off very quick. So salt was used in the ancient world to stop food from decaying and rotting. This, my friends, is why salt was so valuable at that time. It was the only way that meat could be preserved. So the idea of what Jesus is telling us and teaching them is this. You, my followers, my disciples, I want you to know that the world is flavorless. The world is decaying and the world is rotting and you are and you are the ones that I have called to be salt. You are to preserve a decaying and a rotting world. We as his followers and disciples are meant to have an influence on culture and culture is not meant to have an influence on us. Friends, this is why the church exists, for the world. We exist for the world to be preserved, for for the world that is corrupted, for the world that is rotting away, to be preserved. And you might be saying, what are you trying to say, Yo-Yo? I think when we look at the story of Abraham and Lot, you will have a bit more of a clear understanding of this. So in the story of Lot and Abraham, what we see is that Lot, he chose to go to a land called Sodom, and Sodom... When, when, when God began to have a conversation with Abraham, Sodom was a very wicked place. God said to Abraham, I'm going to tell you what I'm about to do to that city. The wickedness in that city is so vile, God said, I am going to destroy the people of that land. So Abraham began to plead with God. And he said this to him. Um, he said, uh, Abraham pleaded with God and he said, Are you going to sweep away the righteous with the wicked God? And he began to intercede for Sodom because one of his family members named Lot was in Sodom. And he asked God this question. God, if there were 50 righteous people in that city, will you sweep away the rest? Will you destroy that city? And God said, if there's 50 people, I will not destroy that city. So Abraham is like, all right, how about if there was 45? And then he said, how about if there was 40? How about if there was 30, 20, and then he went all the way down to 10? God said to him, if there's 10 righteous people in that city, I will not destroy that city. In other words, righteous people where there are, are preserving a decaying world. What God was saying is that if there is people in that city that are righteous, I will not destroy it. And what we see in the story is that Lot. And his two daughters, even his wife, passed away because her heart was with Sodom and Gomorrah. When these angels of God went into the town, the people were so wicked they wanted to gang rape them. They said, bring them out and we want to sleep with these men. That's how wicked the place was. And Lot begged with them, why are you doing such an evil thing? But the only person uh, spared from that wickedness was, was Lot and his two children. We see how the righteous are preserving life around them. That is the point. What Jesus is saying, the world is dark. The world is rotting. The world is dying. And I have called you to have influence to be the salt of the earth. So where we are, we are preserving life. We are preserving the world from decaying. And Jesus goes on to say this, if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out, be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Jesus is emphasizing here that there are elements in a salt that make up a salt. A salt is a salt because it has elements that contain what salt needs to be. In the same way, a Christian is a Christian because of the elements that a Christian has to be a Christian. What are these elements that you say? Jesus explicitly names it, verses 3 to 12. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, the person who understands the need for God, the person who understands I am nothing without the mercy and the hand of God, the person who has an understanding and realization of who they are. He said, blessed are those who mourn, those that grieve over sin, those who do not indulge in sin, but those who are broken in their hearts over the sin that is in their life. Jesus said, Blessed are the hum- humble, those who are not proud, those who are not. Arrogant, but those who humble themselves before the Lord. He said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Those who are hungry to see the glory of God be revealed in their generation. Those who are hungry to see the righteousness that God has given them to be lived out in their life. He said, blessed are those who are merciful. Those who have mercy upon others because they understand they've been given mercy. He said, blessed are those who are pure in heart. Those who don't have any evil intention in every relationship that they form those who don't have any ulterior motive in everything that they're doing in their life, wherever they are in their workplace, whether they're serving in the church, whether they they have friends of of different groups, those who are pure in their motive. Jesus said, these are the people of my kingdom. These are the salt people. He said, blessed are the peacemakers, those who do not Cause division and discord. These are the people of my kingdom. These are the characteristics. This is what the elements that are needed to be a salt in the earth. That is in the context that we see. There are characteristics that make up a disciple, and this is what we are. Let's go to Mark chapter 9, verse 50. This is what Jesus said Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? Have salt among yourselves and be at peace with others. Did you hear that? Jesus is saying this in the context of leading, when he he was talking about people who are leading others towards sin. He said, it's better for your neck to be tied around with chains and be thrown into the sea than you being the cause to lead another person towards sin. After he said that, he said, if your right hand is causing you to sin, cut it off. Better that you have one hand and you're going to heaven than have both hands and going to hell. Jesus was not talking about amputation. Jesus was not talking about plucking out your eye. Jesus was saying, if you are living in sin, if you are living a sinful lifestyle, get rid of it. Better to be without it than to be with it and go on the path to hell. After he said all of that, Jesus says this. So we lose our saltiness when we are not living out who we are. We lose our saltiness when we are living a lifestyle of sin. We lose our saltiness when we're not peacemakers because that is the characteristic of someone who is a follower and a disciple of Jesus. When we're not peacemakers and we're causing division, we become ineffective and we lose our saltiness. The loss of saltiness occurs when we're not living out out of our identity. The next verse I'll quickly show you is Luke chapter 14, verse 34 to 35. Again, he said this, Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? Verse 35, It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. Whoever has ears, let them hear. In other words, if we are not living out of the identity that we have, we are useless for the world. We are useless for God. What God is saying is if you are claiming to be Christians, but you're not living out of who you are, it is you are causing nothing that is bringing a change and an influence in this world. Do you know what Jesus says this? Jesus says this very scripture after he speaks about the cost of following him. He said, if anyone wants to come and follow me and be my disciple, he must deny himself, carry his cross and follow me. And then he talked about counting the cost to be his disciple. He said, if you want to follow me, count the cost that you have. Right after that, Jesus says these very words. So when we are not carrying our cross and dying to ourselves to follow Him, we are not being who we are, and we're not useful and and don't have any impact and influence. We are not to be salty. You know, in our modern vernacular, when you say someone is salty, we're saying someone is bitter and angry and and very, very uh, remorseful, I mean, um, revengeful because they've been made fun of or they're embarrassed. We're not to be salty in that sense. We're also not to be salty in the sense where we only gather with other Christians and we want to protect from the evil world. And we say, no, 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 I'm just going to be, just be me and just be around Christians and be in my little bubble. No, to be effective witnesses for Jesus to be his salt, we need to be where the decay is. For salt to be useful, we need to go where it is rotting and decaying. Let's go to verse 14 and 15 of Matthew chapter 5. The second metaphor Jesus said is he said, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Light in the Bible symbolizes a number of things. Light symbolizes purity as opposed to filth. Light symbolizes truth as opposed to error. Knowledge as opposed to ignorance. Divine revelation and presence as opposed to reprobation and abandonment by God. So the idea, again, is similar to what Jesus was saying about the salt. He's saying, the world is in darkness, and you, my followers, you, my true disciples, are the light in a dark world. We, his disciples, we, the church, are to be called the light in a dark world. Now, I want you to understand something here very significant. It doesn't mean that there is light in of ourselves that we emit and shine forth. That's not what Jesus is saying. No, we are the lesser light. We are the lesser light reflecting the greater light. The Greek word used here for light is phos. It is where we get our English word photo and photograph so we are to show a clear picture to the world of who Jesus is in this dark world that image of god that was distorted in the beginning remember we were created in the image of god we were the photos of god we were the we were supposed to reflect who god was sin blur, blurred that vision So we became not reflectors of the image of God. So what happened with Christ through Jesus, what happened is that that image that was distorted has now been restored. So now we can reflect who Jesus is in this dark world. You know, that's what the world is hungry to see, my friends. That world is hungry to see uh, the true disciple of Jesus, the true believer where they are. I want to ask a question here. Are we truly reflecting who Jesus is to the world around us? Or are we giving a blurry image of a God that we claim to know? What is powerful is what Jesus said in two verses. John chapter 8 verse 12 says this. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 says this For you were once darkness, speaking of our former way of living. But now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. So, Jesus, in the first verse that I read for you, he says that he is the light of the world. Isn't that profound? The things that he has attributed to himself, the things that he's claimed for himself, he's now saying to his followers. Jesus was the one that said, I am the light of the world. And now he's saying, you as my disciples, as my followers, are also the light of the world. But not in the same sense that he is shining. And in the Ephesians passage that I read, Paul simply just says says it like it is. Paul simply tells us the nature change that we had when we came to Jesus. Can you go to Ephesians? Look at this. For you were once darkness... Notice, Paul didn't say, For you were once living in darkness. Not just that, our very nature was darkness. That was what we were. Our nature was darkness. But now you are light where? In the Lord. There is no light that we emit of ourselves. The light comes from the Christ that is in us, the light of the world. We don't radiate our own light, we are darkness. But in Christ, We are light because he is light. One person said it like this, that really blessed me, that I know will bless you as well. The person said this, Jesus is like the sun, S-U-N, and we are like the moon. And we know that the moon does not have the light of itself. Moon does not emit any light. It reflects the light of the sun. The only way that a moon in the nighttime is shining is because the light rays of the sun is is being reflected by the moon. And he said, this something so powerful that touched my heart. The only time the moon doesn't reflect the sun is during an eclipse. An eclipse happens when the earth or the world gets in between the sun and the moon. So when an eclipse happens, what the moon should be shining is now all of a sudden darkened, and if we were to ask the scientists, what is the reason for that, that is the time the world gets in between the sun and the moon. We can have an eclipse moment when the world gets in the way, when we are not distinct from the world. When we are like the world, when we talk like the world, when we sound like the world, when we speak like the world, when we dream like the world, when we live like the world, when we have ambitions like the world, the world gets in between. And we should be as disciples shining the light of Christ, but what people see is darkness. No wonder why that when I was a teenager, I was in the car with my friends that were not Christians and were going toward the club. They said to me, Jonathan, wait a minute, aren't you a born-again Christian? And I said proudly, of course I am. And he said to me, why the F are you coming out with us? He had a reason and an understanding that I am supposed to shine a certain light that I am not emitting. And he said to me, when he said that, I promise you in the car as we're going to the club, I just broke down. Inside, I'm like, whoa, people are seeing. People are watching. People care. Do the claims of our mouth match the life that we live? We are ineffective. And instead of reflecting the sun, we are reflecting the world. We have an eclipse. Moments in our life. Paul reminds us of the following in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 13, verse 12 to 14. Listen to this: the night, this present evil age, that's what it refers to the night. I love the amplifier because it explains it, is almost gone. And the day, that means of Christ's return, is almost here. So let us fling away. From the works of darkness and put on the full armor of light, verse 13. Let us conduct ourselves properly and honorably as in the light of the day. <laughs> do you know what happens? A lot of evil things are practiced in the night, not in the day. Why do you think that is? Because day, in the day, there is light. In the day, everything is exposed. That's why evil things often happen in the dark. That is why we often refer to someone who hasn't come out with something. they're in the dark. They're in the closet, not in carousing or wild, wild parties and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and irresponsibility, not in quarreling and jealousy, but clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for, it, for nor even think about gratifying the flesh in regard to its p- improper desires." The instruction that Paul gives us here is clear. There is a distinction to the way those in darkness live and to the way those in light live. We are to be distinct, distinct as people of the light. We are to live from the nature that we are. Again, I told you, Jesus is speaking about who we are, our identity. We don't live to become light. We are light, therefore we live as children of light. Church, there's an urgency in my heart. Christ's return is near. And the church is not shining its light. Church, the world is in a dark place. The world is in a dark place. And Jesus says, we are the light of the world, the salt of the earth. You know when Jesus says the world and the earth, What Jesus is referring to is that we're going to have a global impact. But that doesn't mean behind your name you put international ministries. Because Jesus didn't call one person to have an international impact. What Jesus called, what what Jesus is rather referring to when we are the light and the salt of the earth and the world, what Jesus is saying, you, my followers, are going to be scattered across the earth. And wherever you are, you will become light. (laughs) That's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying that we're going to have an impact where our world is. To better understand it, I can say it this way. I am the light of my world. Wherever my world is, wherever I am placed, whether you're in Australia, in India, or in Afghanistan, wherever you are placed, as a child of light, who you are is you are the light of the world. So you are to shine like the sun, S-O-N, wherever you are. So what is your world? Your world is your workplace. Your world is where you study. Your world is where you live. Your your world is wherever you are. Jesus is saying, you are light. You are light. Not one individual is not called for the world. But Jesus is saying, wherever my believers, my followers are, you are the hope of the earth. You are the hope of the earth. Jesus goes on to say, a town that is built. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 5 verse 15 or verse 14 to 15 let's read it again you are the light of the world a town built on a hill cannot be hidden you have to understand the context of where Jesus is teaching this he's literally sitting on the mountainside and he can see the sea of Galilee and he can see a town in the distance and what he refi- it's as if Jesus is pointing to that town saying see that town there in the night it cannot be hidden why because there's light in every house The light that is emitted from every house, the lamp that is emitted in every house is very clear. In the same way as Christians, we're not called to be hiding our Christianity. We're called to be living exposed in the light. (laughs) This is such a good word. I'm going to buy this tape. Actually, I don't buy it. It's free on YouTube, isn't it? So we're going to listen to it. Jesus is saying this. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Let's go to the next verse. "Nor, Nor a lamp can be put under a bowl. In other words, the same thing is what he's saying with salt. If we, a light ceases to be who, what it's supposed to be doing, it becomes useless. Jesus is saying a light is not created to be hidden, to be covered. A light, this at least is not even a good example because you can still see the light. But he's saying the lamp that you have, you don't put it under a bowl and cover it. So a light to be effective has to shine in darkness. When a light is hidden, it becomes useless. So the implication here is that we are to live out our faith wherever we are and not hide it. You know, it seems like everyone in the world is coming out of the closet, but the Christian is being put in the closet. That's what our generation seems like. We are living in a time where the most darkest of things, the most th- things that are considered vile, the things that God says is an abomination to me, I, I detest these things, we have a parade over. The world celebrates it. The world makes it into a festival. Sin, we're living in a time where sin is celebrated and paraded. The darkness has fully gone public and what he has done to the Christians, it has desensitized us. To what the darkness really is. Isaiah 520. Before this burns, let me turn it off. Isaiah 520. Woe, judgment is coming. To those who call evil good and good evil. Who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness. Who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Jesus tells us that a lamp cannot be hidden let's go to verse 15 again do people light up a lamp and put it under a bowl instead it is put on its stand and it gives light doesn't it and it gives light to everyone in the house write this down the first place where we need to shine our light is in the house a lot of times as Christians we find it easier to shine our light on the stage than we do in the house But I always tell people, if you want to know who yo-yo is, don't see the yo-yo on the pulpit. See the yo-yo that my wife and my children give testimony of. Because if we cannot shine our light in the house, if the house does not see it, what is the use of the world clapping as saying this person is in the light? Why do people hide their identity? Why do people hide who they are? Number one, write this down, for fear of offending fear of offending. But you have to know that the very nature of light exposes darkness. Wherever light is, darkness has to be exposed. So how do we, in fact, Paul says in, in, in Ephesians chapter 5, we as children of light are supposed to expose darkness. How do we expose darkness? Write this down. How do we expose darkness? Number one, indirectly by living a holy life. By living purely, by living in the light, you are exposing darkness. Just the fact that we don't curse, we don't cheat as children of the light, we don't get drunk, we don't lie, we don't have sex outside of marriage, exposes the darkness of others. That is why you'd walk in a room of people that are living in darkness and they will feel uncomfortable because just the very presence that you're there exposes the work of darkness. John chapter 3 verse 19 to 20 says this, Jesus himself said this, John chapter 3 verse 19 to 20, the verdict is this, light has come into the world, referring to himself, but people loved darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. Next verse, everyone who does evil hates the light. And will not come into the light for the fear that their deeds will be exposed. What Jesus is saying, the reason I came, I came to bring salvation. I came to bring hope. I am the light of the world. The reason why people are not coming to me is because they know when they come to me, their deeds will be exposed. Jesus is saying people who love darkness don't want the light because it exposes their sinful deeds. So number one, we expose darkness in the world by simply just living out our faith. When you are in your workplace and everyone is gossiping about your boss and you refuse to participate in that, that convicts them. That sometimes angers them. When you are are, are living, simply living as a child of light, it exposes the darkness that is around us. Number two, we expose darkness because we're commanded to expose darkness. We expose darkness, number two, by directly calling out darkness for what it is and speaking the truth we are called to call out sin for what it is, to not be silenced, to preach the gospel in a world that is dead, to preach it in word and in deed. So number number one is by indirectly by just living the gospel. Number two, by standing when you need to stand. He's saying that we are the light of the world. Some of you have been working five years in your workplace, and your colleagues do not even know that you're a Christian, because we think that we can live our life as an undercover anonymous Christian. But Jesus is saying, no, my disciples, you need to live out as the children of the light. Jesus says that we cannot be anonymous for him. We are the light in a dark world. My last verses, and i finish. Let's go to verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let me quickly finish off with this. Let is is a verb which means to not prevent or forbid, but to allow. No matter how many excuses that we have as to why we cannot let our light shine, we are instructed to not prevent or or, uh, forbid living in the truth and in holiness. Why, Jesus says? So that people will see your good deeds. Why did Jesus say they will see your good deeds? Because people cannot say, cannot see, sorry, our faith. People cannot see our convictions in our heart. People cannot see what they cannot see. What people see is not the belief system that we have inside of us. What people rather see is what we do, how we live, how we talk, how we speak, how we carry ourselves. So what Jesus is saying, the world is watching and you need to be, you need to be doing good works among them how we speak. You know, in Colossians 4, 6, this is what uh, Paul said, let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. What he's saying is, let your conversation be flavorsome. When everyone else is talking about how inappropriately about a girl, don't get involved in that. Let your conversation be distinct from the conversation of the world. But if we talk like the world about women, if we talk like the world about money, if we have dreams like the world does, we become ineffective. One person said this compromise is a deadly cancer to our witness to the world. The attractiveness and the beauty of the Christian life is lost. What Jesus reminds us, the goal is for God to be glorified. The word in the Greek for good works, for good, sorry, is kalos. It means attractiveness, beautiful in appearance. So when we are doing things that God commands us, when we are doing things like helping the poor, when we are doing things like being there for our work colleague who's going through a tough time, when we are unashamedly, unashamed, unashamed about our faith and living out our faith, living in truth, doing the work that we're supposed to be doing with all our hearts, we are living as children of the light. And he said, when we do that, God is glorified. You know, in the Sermon on the Mount, do you know what he warns? Jesus warns about the Pharisees, the hypocrisy of their lifestyle. He said, everything they do is done for people to see so that they are glorified. But the children of the light, the true followers of Jesus, when we are doing everything that we're doing, we're not doing so that we are seen. We're doing it so that he is seen. That's a good place for you to say amen. When we do good works, when we are light, when we are salt, God is glorified. God is honored. Do you know how we said God send revival? Revival begins with each of us turning from our sins, humbling ourselves, being a light in our workplace, being a light where we are. I finish, I can get um, Amelia to come up as she plays. I want to read for you this quote by John Stott. He's a he's a theologian that passed away a few years back. He wrote this book uh, called The Living Church, and this statement really blessed me and I'll read it for you. He said this, if the house is dark at night there is no sense in blaming the house for its darkness. That is what happens when the sun goes down. The question to ask is where is the light? Again, if the meat goes bad and becomes inedible there is no sense in blaming the meat for its decay. This is what happens when the bacteria are left free to breed. The question to ask is, where is the salt? Similarly, if society becomes corrupt, like the dark night or the stinking fish, there is no sense in blaming society for its corruption. That is what happens when human evil is unchecked and unrestrained. The question to ask is, where is the church? Where is the salt? And the light of Jesus. He said, it is hypocritical to raise our eyebrows and shrug our shoulders as if it were not our responsibility. Jesus told us to be the salt and the light to society. If therefore, darkness and rottenness abound, it is to a large measure our fault. And we must accept much of the blame. I agree with what John Stott said. The question I ask when I see our generation who are embracing all sorts of wickedness, who are flaunting it, I ask, where is the light? Including me. When I'm at the cafe and I'm seeing this woman crying and I just walk past and I see her and I just walk past, I say, why am I doing that? Jesus has called us wherever we are to be a light. Jesus has called us to be a light. I don't have to go to mission ministry, evangelism ministry for me to do evangelism. I always ask God, help me wherever I am to be your light. If I'm seeing an old man that needs help with his groceries, why am I not helping him? When I'm scrolling and I see a church person in all sorts of mess, why am I not being a light for that person? Why am I not being a brother and a sister that cares to speak the truth to that person? Why do I leave it to the leader? Why do I leave it to the pastor? Why can I not be a light wherever I am? Where is the church? Where is the salt? That is what Jesus is saying, your identity is salt in nature. If we dream like the world, if we speak like the world, if we run after the world, we are not called to be undercover Christians, hiding our light for fear of persecution. Some of us, we don't want to lose our jobs, so we stay quiet when we should speak up. Some of us, we don't want to be called bigots and, and, and old-fashioned in their thinking and all of these things, so we stay quiet when we should be speaking up. But Jesus is saying, no, As my follower, you are. That's your identity. You bring flavor wherever you go. You preserve corruption. You are my light. He said in a forcible way, you are. You need to know who you are. It's like he's walking around his disciples. You know who you are. So are you concerned about the rotting of the corruption in the world? As you close your eyes, I want to ask you, are you a salt? I know Rihanna says that we need to shine bright like a diamond, but we need to shine bright like the sun, S-O-N. Because even diamonds need a reflection of light in order to be seen. I know the world tells you that if we had this and that, then we'll be truly living, but what we truly need is to know who we are as children of the light. Church, as you close your eyes, I want you to imagine this very next question. Imagine a world, the physical world that is without salt and light. Imagine every spectrum of light. The sun is darkened. Imagine this world without any form of light existing. (laughs) Imagine how you would enjoy food without salt existing. That's what Jesus wants us to understand today. That you are my chain breakers in the world. You are my ambassadors in the world. I am positioning you strategically. Some of you need to understand, you are where you are in your workplace for a reason. Let's start to change how we pray. Instead of saying, God, when are you going to give me the next thing? Why don't we say, God, what do you want me to do in this world? In this workplace, how can I be your light? How can I show who you are? I remember when we went with my wife to Tasmania, we we went into one of the deepest caves that we can walk in. And we're guided by the tour guide, and he took us a couple of kilometers under the ground into this dark cave. And, and there's this experience, there's light all over the cave. They've they've manufactured light into it, and there's a massive switch. And part of the trip is when you go into the center of the cave, you can have this experience where he completely turns off the light. And he said, You think you know darkness? You think you've experienced darkness? He said, Watch how you will feel completely open your eyes and you will know what darkness truly is so in the cave in the in the earth inside of the ground he switches off every light i have never experienced anything like that before my eyes are fully open but i have never even when i close my eyes i've never experienced such blackness and darkness it was scary he warned in the beginning that if, you're, if you have fear of darkness, this might be not a good experience for you. Imagine the, the world without Christianity. Imagine the world without Christ. Imagine the world without us shining our light. Church, we are called to have influence. We are called to be influencers, to have impact in the world. Every follower of Jesus is an influencer, not because we have a following, but because of who we are following. So my prayer today is let your light shine. Let your light shine in your work. Let your light shine in your house. Let your light shine in your school, in your university. Let your light shine. The church needs to come out of the closet. The world is fully come out. We need to come out and say, no, this is is what I will fight for. You need to go into the parliament house where the darkness is being re- re- won. You need to go into the schools where darkness is being won. They're trying to shut the voice of truth. And they're saying you can't say this and you can't say this. You can't say God and you can't speak about believing in God and the world is working hard. But the church, where is the church, I ask? And I make it applicable to you individually Where? Are you as his light and his salt? If you're thinking that a few are called, that it's only a few people that are called to be light, you're mistaken, my friend. If you're a true follower of Jesus, you are his light. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every individual in this place. I know you didn't bring them by accident, but you brought them by your divine will and purpose to hear this seasonal word in their life. Lord, as you sat down your disciples and you began to teach them, I thank you that you taught us today. I thank you for your presence that is in the midst of this place. I pray that you bring conviction upon every believer's heart. That we will not be arrogant, that we will not be prideful. But we will be, Lord, the blessed person that knows our need for you. The person that mourns over our condition. The person that humbles themselves before you. The person that asks for your mercy. Oh God, may we be the church in this dark world. May we be your light in this dark world. There are many who are decaying. There are many who are rotting away, that are waiting for the salt to preserve them, that are waiting for the salt. There are many who are in darkness, in bondage, God. And you're calling the church, not the government, not a movement, not a march, Not a political ideology, not a nation, not an ethnic group. Jesus, you called your church, the one that you saved, the one that you poured your blood for, Lord Jesus. You called us to be the light. Oh God, I wanna see, I wanna see light in Melbourne. God, Melbourne is in darkness, but may the church arise. God, Melbourne is in darkness. Let the church arise. Let us not be afraid of the persecution that comes with it. Let us not be afraid of the excuses, God, of what the world will label us and call us. This is part of the cross that we carry. But help us to be your light. Help us to have influence wherever we are. Lord, we might not have the blue tick next to our name, but we know we have your approval. And your approval means more than any human approval. And God, this is what you've stamped in your word. You've called us to be your light, your salt. Help us, oh God. I pray for myself that you help me to be your light in my house, to my wife, to my children, to be salt. Lord, when I go to gym to be sold to there, to not be ashamed of who I am, to not be ashamed of of the light that I carry, Lord. That when I go to the shops, wherever I encounter, Lord Jesus, to not be ashamed, to not hide, to not be anonymous for you. You never called us to be anonymous, but you've called us to shine on top of the hill so that our friends will know who we are. Our friends will know the hope that we have. When our friends see how we live, when our friends see, that they will be convicted, that they will know the truth, that they will run to you, Lord Jesus. May we be your ambassadors. May we be your ambassadors. Can I get the worship team up and I feel led to just finish off with prayer. And let's sing, let's send revival. God send revival. But I want you to just, as you worship this, say, God send me crying out for a revival, God is saying, I've already placed, I've already given you everything that you need, I want you to really just worship him, say, God, help me in the context of today's message, God, help me to be your light, where I am to be your light, God, help me, I don't want to make excuses anymore. I don't want to be anonymous for you anymore. I don't want to be undercover for you anymore. God, I want, I want the world to know you. I want my world to know you. I want my friends to know you. I want my circle of influence to know you. I'm coming out of the closet. God, help me to come out and be bold and courageous. As the world is becoming bold and courageous for wickedness and evil, may the church shine bright. May the church reflect who you are. God, may we not give people a blurry vision, an inaccurate expression of who you are, by the way we speak. May we not be mean-spirited, and may we not be judgmental, may we not be angry, and bitter, and jealous, and God, and, 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 and fighting, and bickering, Lord, that is not representing who you are. But may we, in our workplace, be your light. May we be May we be, may we be your light. May we shine in your workplace. Come on, worship team, sing the song. As I'm speaking, just sing it. God, send revival. Send revival. I want you to stand and just worship Him. God, send revival. If you need to go, you can go, but just...